0: Good morning, Bedrock. How's everyone doing? Morning. 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 Well, I have a question for you. Have you ever messed up so bad that you feel like it's all gone? That things are just too far beyond repair? That like, this has hit a point where there is no return? In the Bible, we see a couple of places where it, it begins to feel like that. It feels like, Things have messed up so much and people have messed up so much and life has messed up so much that that things are beyond repair. And today we're going to take a look in the scriptures at a name of God that I really believe emanates this idea that it's really never too late with God. With God, things are never too far gone. Things are never too far past. Things are never beyond what God can do. And so God is going to show us that today in his word as we look at this name El Shema shows up one time in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, but it means the God who is there. And today, this verse and in these, these verses that we're going to look at, we're going to look heavily into the book of Ezekiel, or we're going to see that some things really go bad and things seem beyond repair. And God has a word and a message for you and I, as I was thinking about this and, you know, we're in mother's day and, um, I was thinking about this feeling of, of having someone there. And a story came to mind As um, you guys may remember, I shared this a few weeks ago. When I was in college, I dislocated my shoulder. It dislocated out of the back of my shoulder. I was playing football, um, like backyard football. Not even like, this isn't like I was in a real game. And I dislocated my shoulder out the back. Uh, and I was driving a stick shift car at the time. So I was like, I got to go, guys. I left, drove my stick shift car home with my shoulder dislocated. And when I got there, my mom was there. And she was like, I was like, I think I dislocated my shoulder. And she was like, well, let's, you know, take off your shirt. Let me take a look at it. She's a nurse. I was like, I can't get my shirt off. Like, this is for sure something's wrong. So we get to the hospital. And I'm getting out of the car to go to the emergency room. My shoulder popped back in. And I was like, hey, we're good. And she's like, no, we need to go figure out really what's going on. Because we don't know how bad things are. So we went and I got an initial scan at the ER and they were like, we're going to have to refer you to a specialist. It looks like you have a pretty bad tear in your labrum. I was like, okay. So we get back to the specialist really quickly because I was on my way to head back to Liberty University for the spring semester. And we got there and they did an MRI and they did all these scans and I had a really bad tear in my labrum. It hadn't torn all the way, but we were really close. And the doctor kind of sat us down, and my mom was in the room with me and my dad, and he began to kind of delineate for me the possibilities of what I was going to need to do in order to heal. And he said, yeah, you have a bad tear. I think we're going to need to do a surgery and to repair your arm. And once we do that, then you're probably going to have a long repair time, like over a year. And then not only that, we don't know if your shoulder will function the way that it used to. I like to golf a lot. And so that's a big part of golfing. And he was like, I don't know if you'll really be able to golf the way that you used to. And honestly, if you go and get this surgery, then you're going to need to stay here for the semester. And you're going to need to not go to college. You're going to need to stay here, get repaired and all of these things. And so what began to happen for me is all of these things like really quickly started to go away from me, like things that I loved and my plans for the future. And I was like, man, I'm going to lose a whole semester of college and I still have to pay for my house up there. And so I got to figure that out. And I got to figure this out. And, and my mom was sitting there specifically and moms are so good at this. Um, She could tell that I was like starting to kind of like panic. Like, okay, there's a lot changing here and it seems like things are are really far gone. Like there's, this is kind of, this is going to change. And uh, the doctor gave us all of our options and we sent him, like we said, can we have the room for a minute just to kind of discuss what we want to do? And uh, my mom, the very first thing that she said before, like anything else, she looked at me and said, okay, no matter what happens, I'll be there. So if you got to stay here for the semester, you got a place. And if you got to pay for your house up there, we'll take care of that. Like while you're here. And um, if we got to figure out school, and we got to fi- like, I'm there. And if you want to go back up to school and figure that, like I'm there. And I, you know, I really didn't know what the future was going to hold for me. All I knew is that my mom and my parents were going to be there, whatever that future was. And when I started to feel the sense that they're there my fear and anxiety and worry and my hopelessness that I was beginning to experience began to subside. Not because I knew what the answer was, not because I knew how this was all going to turn out, but because I knew that my mom and my dad were going to be in that future with me. That's a lot of what we look at today in the book of Ezekiel. Now let me catch you up a little bit about what's happening because when you parachute into the middle of a book, you lose a lot of the story. So here's what's happening. Ezekiel is this prophet and he's been taken into Babylonian captivity. And he gets this prophecy. He gets this vision that the city of Jerusalem is going to fall and that the temple is going to be destroyed. And he gives this prophecy to the people and he begins to like tell them this and he's worried and he's off in captivity. And where we're going to find ourselves starting today is Ezekiel has just gotten the news that Jerusalem has fallen, that the temple has been destroyed. And you know, like there's some times in life you don't want to be right. This was probably one of those moments for him. And he had warned the people and he told them, because we have strayed, because we have gone away from the Lord and because of all of these things, there is this great oppressor called Babylon coming and they're going to wipe the floor with us and they are going to destroy the temple. And this was so important for the people at the time because they believed that the presence of God resided in the temple. This is where they worship. This is where they saw God. This is where they experienced God and all that he had. And so, man, they're in this moment where. Like, what are we going to do? Like what has happened? And and it feels like things are too far gone. And maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you feel like things are too far gone. Listen to what Ezekiel chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 7 says. It says this, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The bodies you have thrown there are the meat and this city is the pot, but I will drive you out of it. What he's saying is you guys have destroyed this place. You guys have done some things to the city, and now I am taking you out of this place. You fear the sword, and the sword um, is what I will bring against you, declares the sovereign Lord. I will drive you out of the city and deliver you into the hands of foreigners and inflict punishment on you. You will fall by the sword, and I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This city will not be a pot for you, nor will it be meat, nor will there be meat in it. I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. News gets, goes from bad to worse, right? The city's fallen. The temple's been destroyed. Like everything that we, we had longed for so long in our lives is gone. And now you're going to tell me that these other nations and these other places and these other things are going to be used by God to to bring punishment and, and correction to Israel. And man, it just feels like it's all gone. The city's destroyed. The temple's destroyed. Everything. And I don't know if you feel like that. I don't know if you feel like there's been like a fire sale in your life. And there's a part of your life and a part of your your journey right now that just feels like, man, it's just too far gone. I'll never get over that thing of the past. It's just too far gone. This business, it's never going to work. It's too far gone. My relationship with my wife or my husband, man, it's just too far gone. It's never going to get better. My kids, they just don't want to be around me. It's just too far gone. I've messed up too much in my life. My record is too long. It's too far gone. I don't know if there's a part of your life that you feel like it's just too far gone. Maybe it's an addiction. You just feel like it's too far gone. It's just beyond repair at this point. And for some of us, because we feel like we've lost so much and that it's too far gone, we begin to grow apathetic or we begin to just give up. We lose hope. And that's exactly what begins to happen to Israel because Israel is in this place where it's like, everything is gone and we are being scattered. This is too far gone. And then when you start to feel like things are too far gone, you ask the next question, which Israel does. And it's this, is God done with us for good? Like things are too far gone. The temple's gone. The city's gone. It seems so much beyond repair. And so the question is, are you done with me? Are you done with my life? Are you done blessing me? Are you done working actively in my life? Have, have I gone down that addiction path too long? Have I done this too much? It's just, uh, Lord, I don't know what to do. It just feels like you might be done with us. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 11, starting verse 12. And you will know that I am the Lord, for you have not followed my decrees or kept my laws, but have conformed to the standards of the nations around you. Could this be a warning for us as a church? And I'm not saying like bedrock, it is a warning for us, but the American church, the nations and the ideologies that are surrounding us as a people right now, look at what happens in Ezekiel's time. Israel began to adopt and to bring in the practices of the nations around them. And God says, and because of that, you did not follow my decrees. And because of that, there are great consequences coming. That it's important for us to know and love and to follow the word of God. Because listen, here's what I think happens a lot of time. I think that the world has more influence on us as a church than we do on the world. It's tough. I, I, I get it. And there's a ton of pressure and social pressure and all of these things. But listen to what God is saying here. Look, these things happen because you took on the standards of the world around you. And some of this is the result of just adopting these practices. This is just a natural consequence when you begin to walk down this ideology. And look at what he says. Now, as I was prophesying, Pelotai, son of Benai, died. It's like here it goes. It's getting worse and worse. Okay, so not only is Israel gone, not only has this happened, not only now you're telling us that we're going to be scattered and you're reminding us of our failure, but now... Pelotai, the son of Benai has died. He's just this important person in the land of Israel. And then Ezekiel goes, man, this is like too much. And he says this, then I fell face down and cried out in a loud voice, alas, sovereign Lord, will you completely destroy the remnant of Israel? He says, look, are you done with us? Are you done with us for good? Like, it seems like everything's been lost. It seems like it's too far gone. And so Ezekiel is essentially saying, So are you done with us? Are you going to get rid of the rest of us as we are in exile? And are you done with Israel? Because man, we, we messed up so much. Are you done? I mean, I wonder how many of us can identify with that. It's just too far gone and I've messed up too much or things that have happened to me in my life are just too much. And I, do you really want someone like me anymore? Like, are you done with me? I mean, I've even lived in your blessing and I still messed it up. And I still did all of these things. And I went to church and I still messed up. And I still did all of those things you told me not to do. Like, are you done with me for good? Let me tell you something, church. If you're still breathing, God's not done. He's not done. But can you ever feel that way? Can you ever just feel like... like, some of the consequences that are coming into your life and some of the the things that are happening in your life, instead of going like, man, you know, I did bring this into my life, you start to see this as God's removing his hand from you completely. I mean, this is what Israel did is messed up. They're in the promised land. God has brought them through so many things. And the Bible says they just turn their back to God and they start adopting all of these practices from the world. And let me just tell you something. If you're not in the word and you're not with like the word of God, then the practices of the world are going to look enticing. Look, guys, like sin is enticing. Adam and Eve sin in perfect relationship with God. Why would we think that when we are in a sin nature and all of these issues, we wouldn't be tempted to do the same? Right? I mean, that's the whole point. Guys, like we've said it here before. Sinning is attractive and alluring and it's fun. The consequence of sin is not what sin produces in us and what it brings into us is not enticing. And it doesn't bring good things. And a lot of us feel like, well, I can have my cake and eat it too. I can participate with none of the consequences. I can do all these things with none of the bad effects. That is a foolish, foolish thought. So what happens here is Ezekiel is looking and it gets like, man, man. okay, everything you told me that was going to happen that I was to tell the people was to happen. And it is, and it has, and it feels like it's too far gone. Where are we ever going to go to worship your presence again? Where are we ever going to go to be with you again? And now these guys died. And so I'm asking you, are you done with us for good? And Ezekiel finds himself like so many of us do when it feels like things are too far gone and it feels like God might be done with us for good then we can find ourselves where it feels like God isn't. We can find ourselves in this place in our life where it feels like God isn't here. That God, like, he removed himself from our life. Do you feel like that in your life right now? You feel like, man, it's too far gone. I've messed up, or my life is too messed up, or my addiction is too strong, or well, like, just start naming it. Like, it's probably, got it's name in your mind right now. It's probably that thing that you do that you pray about to leave you all of the time. And you and you become hopeless because you've adopted the practices of the nations around you, and the world tells you that all of those things are okay, or at least they're not a big deal. And now you have consequences in your life, and you feel like God is done with you, and so you feel like you're in a place in your life where God isn't. Look at what the Bible says, because in Ezekiel chapter 11, there's a huge shift in the book. What happens here is, I would really encourage you to go back and read it, is the beginning of Ezekiel, God is telling them what's to come. Ezekiel chapter 11 is like, it's happened and it's bad. It's worse than we thought. And then right after this part, God begins to prophesy how he's going to restore everything. And God begins to tell Israel like, yes, these consequences are coming and they are happening and I am not taking them away. We will endure these consequences, but I'm here to tell you that I will restore all of this. It's this kind of shift right in the book. It just happens in the middle of a chapter and you're kind of like, what? what happened? But that's the beauty of God. As soon as he's getting ready He didn't say, I told you so, he didn't do all of these things. He begins to now prophesy and to tell Ezekiel and things are gonna get better and things are gonna be okay. And there's gonna be consequences. There's gonna be things that we have to live through, but I am working it out because it feels like you're in a place where God isn't. And a lot of us need to understand that when you feel like God isn't in a place, he can be your sanctuary in that place and he is with you. Look at what the Bible says in verse 16 of chapter 11. Therefore, say, this is God speaking to Ezekiel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries. Notice that God sends them to the places that they wanted to be. To the ideologies and philosophies and thoughts and practices of the nations that they had adopted. God goes, I'll send you there. You'll see what it's like in those nations. How oppressive and cruel and mean and ungraceful these places are. And I'll send you among those countries. Yet for a little while, what? I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. I will be a sanctuary for you in this place that you feel like I am not there. I will be a sanctuary for you there. Therefore, say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. It's two promises. I've sent you to these places, this remnant. I'm not going to kill the remnant. I'm going to protect them in those places. I will be a sanctuary for the people in the places that they so heavily wanted to adopt in their life. I will be a sanctuary for them. And if you're in a place, in an ideology, a thought or a process or something in your life, an addiction, far, far, far away from the Lord. The beautiful thing is the Lord is right there and he can be a sanctuary for you in this season. And God can and will and does call us back home. Isn't that a beautiful word to hear? that when you've messed up so bad that the whole city has been burned and you feel like God might be done with you, for God to say, don't worry, I'll be with you in the bitter place and I will also be bringing you back home. Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. The idea here is that God is going to do an incredible work that there isn't a place too far gone. And then there's this famous, the next chapters of the book are these prophecies and these kind of models and imageries that Ezekiel gives as he's going to restore the people. And see what God tells Ezekiel is this, Israel's problem wasn't an action problem, it was a heart problem that's what a lot of us do. We judge the actions of others, but we have to realize that it's really an inward heart issue, that it's out of the heart, our thoughts and our actions flow. And God begins to tell Israel, the problem wasn't that you guys had, you did all the worship things in the temple and all of that. The problem was your heart. It was dead. It was dry. It was a place in a valley of dry bones. And we get this, maybe one of the most famous prophecies and, and imageries in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 37, because here's what God's going to say. Not only am I in the place of the foreign nation, I'm not only in the place of your bitterness, I'm not only in the place of the far away, but I'm also in the place where you think that there's no coming back. I'm also in the place where you think it's dead and you think that there will be no life again. I'm there too. Ezekiel chapter 37, just listen to these words. Because even in the place of death, he will bring new life. 37, Verse one, the hand of the Lord was on me. That means that God is influencing and giving uh, Ezekiel vision. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. That means they've been dead for a long time. They're brittle. There is no life left in them. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy, which means to speak the word that I'm going to give you, to say the word of the Lord to these things, to these bones and say them dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. Can you just close your eyes and for just a minute, imagine what this sounded like, that there is this noise as he was prophesying a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say it, say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come breath from the four winds, which is this imagery of creation in Genesis as God breathed into Adam. Same word used Numa in the New Testament for the word Holy Spirit. Is this idea of breath or wind. This is connecting so many different things. And he says that. I will breathe into these slain. That they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them. And they came to life. And stood up to their feet. A vast army. Then he said to me. Son of man. These bones are the people of Israel. They, They say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. It's too messed up. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord have spoken and I have done it declares the Lord. In the place of no life, in the place of absolute desolation, in the place of absolute death, God can bring new life. And I told you that there's no place that's too far gone for God not to do something incredible. So then we now scoot to the end of the book of Ezekiel to the very last verse. Ezekiel chapter 48, 35 In the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. The end chapter of the book of Ezekiel is about this brand new city in Jerusalem that God is going to build. It's this brand new place that God is going to build. And what happens here in the book is that. He begins to give all of these measurements to the city. He begins to describe what it's going to look like and what God is going to do there. He's describing all of these things. And what happens here is at the very end of it, he begins to describe the city and then says the name of this city will be the God who is there. Listen to what one commentator said. The name indicates that God has not abandoned Jerusalem, leaving it to ruins but that there will be a restoration. God is your victory. And for so many of us, when we look towards the future and we've lost hope because everything has been lost and we feel like God may be done with us and we feel like we're in a place where God isn't and we feel like even in the valley of death, we feel like our lives and part of our life is like that and we feel like there is no hope. Jehovah Shema is the God who is there who's in the midst of that. And we see from this prophecy and we see from this moment that God has not abandoned you and God has not left you and God is not done. And for so many of us, as we look towards the future with hopelessness, as we look to the future with maybe great regret or despair, or we think that God has just resided us to live in this life and God has no purpose for us anymore. And all of these things in our life are gone. You look towards the future and there's great anxiety because you believe he's not there anymore because you think he's done with you. But the Bible tells us something so different. He is Jehovah Shema. He is the God who is there. He's in that future. He's in that place in the good work that he's going to produce in your life. You may not even be able to see it at all right now, but God is working it out. We need to do what Israel was commanded to do, to turn back to the Lord, to, to take away the other influences of these nations and these things in our life and to recommit our life to him and to come back home to him and to begin to set our mind on him. Because not only is he the God who is there, but the idea is he's also the God who is here. And let me tell you how. The Bible in the New Testament begins to unravel this for us. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. This is the prophecy of Jesus coming into the world. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, from the place of desolation, from the valley of dry bones. Right? Because the wages of sin is death. From the place that there is no life, Jesus will save them from these things. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is this identification in this act of grace, in this act of moment where God begins to reside with his people. And we see that he's not just out there in the future, but he's right here, right now with us. And not only does the the New Testament say that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, but when talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says this in John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commands. Sounds very similar to the book of Ezekiel, doesn't it? Hey, you guys left me. You guys left my commands. You went to these other nations. Jesus gives the same commandment. Follow my commands. Follow what I have told you. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Remember how he says in Ezekiel, I will send my spirit into you and you will live. Well, here we go. And he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, which is God's spirit. The world cannot accept him because he is, they it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. He is the God who is not just there, he is the God who is here. And he is present, even in the midst of your trial and your tribulation and your suffering. I know, I know, I know. I know that it seems so hard. I know that it seems so overwhelming. I know that it seems like God isn't here, but he is. I know that it seems like he may be done with you, but he's not. You have breath in your lungs, God is not done. But we also can't just start to blame all of this and go, well, I want to go do my own thing and then expect your presence and expect all of these things to be evident in my life. God says like, no, I am the God who is there, but follow my commands. Follow what I say. The book of Ezekiel is this moment. We see this in the New Testament. We see what I'm saying. Follow me. There's life in me. But not only that, as I was studying this, and some of you may know this, Ezekiel chapter 48, is identically mirrored in Revelation chapter 21. As the Bible begins to describe the last things, and the Bible begins to describe the new heaven and the new earth and all of these things, the prophecy that Ezekiel gave of the measurements of the city are found in Revelation chapter 21. And I want you to hear, because sometimes we do feel like the place that we are in is so desolate and so dry, and we are losing hope. Set your eyes upon the Lord, trust and believe in him and what he can do. But sometimes our current circumstance feels so overwhelming that the thing that we need to look towards is the future, the God who is there. The God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, who is already preparing a place for you that is beautiful and wonderful. And listen to the God who is there already in what he is doing. Revelation 21, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And then look at the promise that happens when we are with the God who is there already. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And if you want to know what the God who is here is going to do there, that is the beginning of our life with him in eternity. One little name in one little verse in the Bible has such profound implications for you and I. How good is our God? And let me just tell you something. Some of you may be on a mountaintop right now, but I'll guarantee you there's a valley coming. And most of the life, our life is not lived at the mountaintop and it's not lived in the valley. It's lived in the middle. But how comforting is it to know that you need to remind yourself now that when you do get into the valley, God's already there. He's already waiting for you. He's already working it out. He's already present. And I don't know what the future holds for you or us or the church. I don't know what's going to happen in America. I don't. I do know what happens in Revelation. But here's what I do know. Whatever does happen, wherever things do head in your life, in my life, in our life, as a church, and in America, and in the world, I know this. God's there. And his goodness is there. And his power is there. And his provision is there. And his grace is there. And his love for you and I is there. It's already there. And so sometimes, when this life is so hard, I need to remind myself of my future. I need to remind myself of the God who is already there in the kind of home he's prepared for me. And for you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ in this room. And this is why Jesus can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Why would you want to go through anybody else? Why would you want to go through anything else? Because it doesn't build kingdoms like that. He is the God who is there. He is the God who is here. And He knew that we didn't just need Him there, we would need Him now. And so He sent His Holy Spirit. He sent Jesus Christ and he sends sends both one to save us and now the one to redeem us and to restore us and to sanctify us and to strengthen us in this moment. You're not alone wherever you are. You're not alone. And so whatever fear you have of the future right now, whatever despair, whatever addiction you don't think is going to get better, whatever business issue is going to happen, what, I don't know what it is. You probably have something that like, keeps you up at night, that wakes you up at 2 in the morning. You can't go back to sleep for an hour and a half or two hours or three hours or sometimes at all. I don't know what that is, that boogie monster in the back of your mind that, that goes there and is, is present in your life. The problem is, is, are you believing that God is there with him too? And do you believe in the goodness of God that even when Israel messed up as bad as they did, the first words of God were, "Don't worry, I'm going to make this okay." And maybe you've messed up, and maybe some of the boogie monsters in your life and the things that are in the closet that are lurking and scaring you so much are the result of your own actions. We believe in a God who overcomes our sin our problems, our pain, our judgment. And he died for us and rose again to show victory over sin and death. And so whatever, whenever those things come knocking, just remember that God's in the room with you ready to open the door. Because he's there and he's here now. As we, so as we get ready to respond this morning, the same peace that I experienced when I just knew that my mom was gonna be there, no matter what the future held, and you moms are so incredible at that. That same peace that I had can be experienced infinitely more when I know and trust and believe that the God who made me and created me is there too. More capable, more provision, more love and grace. than the fear of the future, I just need to remind it that it's in good hands and that I'm OK. And so would you join me in praying this morning? Cody, are you coming up this morning, bud? Okay, he's on his way. And so let's pray. God, we love you. God, your word and your truth is so good. And I thank you that all over the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the end of the book. God, that you are reminding us that you're here and you are there and you are present in that future that we are so scared of. You're present in all of these things and that you as our loving father in heaven are preparing a wonderful place for us as your children. And so, Lord, as fear resides in our life, we know that perfect love casts out fear. And so, Lord, I pray that we experience your perfect love today. I pray that we experience in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives right now that you are in whatever future that we are so scared of. And when we're in the valley of dry bones and it feels like things are too far gone and that you may be done with us and that we're in a place where you are not, that we would be reminded that in the valley of death, you are a sanctuary for us and that you are present there in our deepest and darkest parts of life and that you will work it out. And so God, we trust you and believe in you. And we know that the place that you've prepared for us is so beautiful and wonderful. And so Lord, I pray that every anxious heart in here is reminded of Jehovah Shema, the God who is there that you're restoring things and you're bringing it all together and that you will redeem all things and that you are good and holy and righteous and that our hearts would bow down at the worthiness and holiness of your name and that we would worship you this morning and that we would love you this morning and that we would find peace this morning knowing where you are and that you're with us. And so God, I pray an anointing of remembrance of your word over every person in here today that the word of the Lord would dwell richly in their hearts and in their minds and that they would cling to the word today. And whatever it is that feel, they feel like is too big for you, God, would you remind them of how big you are? And would they lay it at your feet when they trust you with great faith today? And Lord, if there's any person in here who's never trusted in you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray today is the day where they realize that they were lost and dead in their sin. And that you sent Jesus into this world to live the life that they should have lived. That you died the death that they deserve to die, but you rose again because sin and death had nothing on you. And by your life, your death, your burial, and your resurrection, they may be saved. And that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord and that you died for us and we accept that free gift now, God, that we will be rescued and your spirit will dwell in us. And not only will you be here with us now, but you are creating a place there for us, and you're ahead of us, and it is good. And so God, I pray today that we find extreme comfort and peace in the goodness of who you are today. God, we love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen.